Well, good morning, Cable Road Alliance Church family. How's everybody doing this morning? How many of you have your Christmas tree up already? You're the reason it snowed so bad the other day. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for that. Yes, we are already putting up Christmas decorations in our home. If you walk through the back office of the church area, Christmas music is already playing. We have our Google Home, and every morning I say, Hey, Google, play Christmas music. And every morning, Aaron Failer says, It's not Christmas yet, brother. Stop with the Christmas music. So, hey, a couple things I want to tell you about. Number one is that uh, we have a missions trip coming up to the Dominican Republic. We've not talked a whole lot about it, and now the holidays are coming, and it's going to get lost in the shuffle. Listen, I want to encourage you. We have 16 spots available, and they're already filling up, but there's plenty of spots for you, all right? Listen, we want you to go on this trip. If you've never been on a short-term missions trip, now's your time. This is going to be a wonderful, amazing experience. It's going to be safe. It'll be a nice way to kind of put your your little toe in the water just to see how it feels, right? And then we're going to do something crazy like go to communist country and pass out Bibles and maybe go to jail. We'll do that later, all right? But right now, Dominican Republic with uh, Brandon Nutter from Envision, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. I want to encourage you. If you've ever felt the call to do a missions trip, I like to call them a vision trip. Because I believe when you go on trips like that, it's as much for you as it is the people we're going to serve and minister to. And here's the thing. I want to encourage you with this. We're not going there just for them. We're going there to partner with them and with God. And God's going to do a work in our lives. I believe that's true. So if you're interested in going to the Dominican Republic in 2020 in April, I encourage you, please... Go out to the atrium area, not right now, although that would be cool to see everybody stand up and go out there and sign up for the mission trip. All you're doing is signing up to get more information. Steve Cook and I and Sarah Nishimoto uh, are going to give you that information. We've got a meeting come up. It's going to be amazing. I get a lot of requests. Hey, Tim, could you say happy birthday to this person? Hey, would you mind stopping the service? putting the brakes on and saying happy birthday to this person. And I always say no, because that is a slippery slope, right? But listen, we've got a very special birthday this morning. No, it's not mine. All right. I want to recognize Doris Brubaker. And she's here this morning. Where are you at, Doris? And your daughters are here with you. Yesterday was her 80th birthday party. Give it up for Doris. Thank you, Doris. I would say let's sing happy birthday, but then we'll be charged by copyright rules. We can't do that. But I want to tell you, please say happy birthday to her after the service. Go up to her, hug her, love on her, love on her daughters. She is such an amazing part of Cable Road's church family. And we're blessed that you're here, Doris. Thank you for being part of our congregation, our church family, because we're talking about you this morning. We're talking about what it means to be mature in your faith. And being mature in your faith doesn't just mean you have to be 80 years or older, okay? It means that you've got to be spiritually mature like Doris Brubaker. And she's absolutely phenomenal. We're going to talk about that this morning, amen? We're going to talk about two different tables, not just this beautiful table that I'm using this morning, but the adult table and the kid table. Every Thanksgiving meal has one, all right? The kid table over here is usually a card table. I was going to put some metal folding chairs and a lawn chair and a beanbag chair because that's usually how it's set up. There's paper plates, if you're lucky, all right? There are solo cups. Do you know that in certain parts of the world, they have 
uh, parties, and they call them American parties, where everybody dresses up like they're from America, and they have big men. And for some reason, they everybody wears red, white, and blue, because people from other countries think all we do is wear red, white, and blue every single day, all right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> USA! You No. And they all think we drink out of solo cups everywhere we go, all right? So at the kid table, you always have usually a card table. It's usually in the basement. Usually have uh, silverware that doesn't even match, and most of them are spoons, and you can't figure out if you can get a fork in this place, all right? The centerpiece is not something beautiful. It's usually just a roll of paper towels, and you go at it, right? <laughs> Versus over here at the adult table, which is usually really far away from the kid table, and i got to be honest with you, I set this table up. You'll have to come up and look at it later. This was my best attempt at making something look nice. And uh, praise the Lord for Hobby Lobby, because everything was 50% off. And I walked in there and just said, what do you got, all right? But uh, it's, it's usually fine, fine, you know, cutlery and nice uh, forks and spoons, gold rim glasses. Can I be honest with you, though? I got these from Arby's like 10 years ago. And it was a set of four. And I broke one on the way here. So it's only three up here. Yeah, I'll have the church reimburse me for that. These are collector pieces, $75 a piece. If you're interested, they'll be on eBay later. But there's always a real nice centerpiece, table settings, real uh, 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 stoneware, uh, china. Uh, Sheena Clevenger was going to be kind enough to bring her actual real china in and set it up for me. I said, please don't do that. You know, I don't, I've already broken one of my cheap Arby's glasses. I don't want to think what's going to happen. But it's amazing. There are always two sets of tables. This morning, I want to ask you this. What table do you sit at? Do you sit at the kid table or the adult table? And I'm talking spiritually speaking now. We're shifting gears a little bit. Where are you at spiritually? You see, I believe there are times in your life when you come to faith in Jesus Christ that you do indeed sit at the kid table. And that's okay. You need to be there. That's where you are. It's what the Word of God in the Hebrews talks about and says, you, you're just a child. You need milk. But as you grow and mature and you turn 21 plus like Doris Brubaker, then you move to the adult table and you do what? You mature and grow in your faith and you have meat. That's what you need. Question for you this morning is where are you? What table do you sit at? If you're young in your faith, you've just come to know Jesus, you haven't walked with him for a while, there's a time in your walk with Jesus that the kid table is where you need to be. But at some point you grow and you mature. And moving over to the adult table is where you need to be. And I'll say this. There are some people that are sitting at the adult table that are not making room for people. And you've got to scoot back and say, hey, we got to get a bigger table. We, you, you, know, you follow what I'm saying? You've got to be mature enough to say, listen, cousin Joey is 37 years old and he's still sitting at the kid table. Somebody's got to do something. It's getting creepy now. Okay. <laughs> But he likes it. I know. And that's what makes it even more wrong. you got to move it. There are times in your life where you've got to recognize, I'm at the kid table spiritually, and I've got to grow in my faith. Maybe it's time. No one's inviting me, but maybe I ought to take it upon myself to make the walk across the room, walk up the steps out of the basement, and sit with the adults. Here's the thing. God is inviting you to come to the table. God is inviting you to come to the table. You don't have to wait for an invitation. He's inviting you right here, right now, this morning. I have in my car and by my bedside uh, a little notepad um, that has these, you ever seen these little pieces of paper like this? 
And it's just that simple little, sorry, those of you that are millennials have no idea what I'm talking about. All right, it's called a piece of paper, and you write on it, and then you put it over like this, you put it in your pocket, okay? But I have one of these in my car, uh, because if I'm sitting somewhere at a stoplight, or, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm going to tell you the truth, this is your pastor speaking. If I'm driving down the road and something strikes me, I'm like juggling for the paper, and I'm, I'm like writing as I'm driving, trying to drive and write, and I pull over and stop. But I keep these next to me all the time, they're in my bed, because so God really stirs in my heart a lot. And I write things down, and honestly, sometimes I write things down, and then later look at it, I'm like, what in the world? And I throw it away. I'm like, I don't know what that was about. But sometimes I write things down, I'm like, wow, that was good. Praise the Lord. Last night I was with a friend of mine, and it was about 12 o'clock, midnight, and we were going down East Town Road, heading home. We'd went out and had dinner and, and just hung out for a while. And as we were heading down East Town Road, if you live in Lima long enough, you know you're going to get stopped by train. So we got stopped by train on East Town Road, and we sat there, and we talked, and we were just hanging out, and we had no big hurry to get home, no big hurry to get anywhere, and I, you know, we could have tried to beat it and go down cable, you know how it is. But we sat there, I said, man, let's just sit and relax, man, it's a nice night out, you know, um, I'm not going to lie to you, we went to Myers and got some chalk chip cookies, so we were sitting there eating chalk chip cookies, sorry, Nate, Tucker, he and I were watching what we eat, but I had a couple dozen, <laughs> I, I, I said a couple dozen, but they were little. But no, we're sitting at the cross, at the crossroads there uh, on East Town, waiting on a train, and we begin to talk. And the more we begin to talk, I got out my notepad, and I just started writing things down. Because I asked him, I said, what's the worst thing that you've ever done in your life? He's like, what? I said, what's the worst thing that you've ever done in your life? I mean, what's that one thing that you did that affected yourself so deeply and others around you that you wish you could just erase from time. That you wish you could just get rid of and completely eliminate all the consequences, all the hurt and pain, all the suffering. Like you wish you could go back and it's deeper than just regret. Like there's a true repentance there that you're like, man, I wish that wouldn't have happened. What's the worst thing that you've ever done that if you could somehow remove and erase, what would that be? And we talked about it. I've known this guy a long, long time. And he shared with me some things that, quite frankly, I was like, wow, dude, I never knew that. He's like, yeah. And I shared some things with him that he's like, wow, really? I was like, yeah. You see, we've all done things that are completely and totally despicable and devastating. That if anyone ever knew, if, if somehow you could have open heart surgery, spiritually speaking, for everyone to see the depravity that's in your heart, we would all look at you and say, wow, really? What's that thing for you? And if you sit there smugly and say, oh, I don't have that, I'm going to tell you right now, you do. Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God, yeah? Listen, we've all got that thing in our hearts that we say, wow, that was horribly wrong of me. Not just because I got caught, not just because I got, uh, you know, in trouble, but because it so grieved me. It so grieved the people around me. It has truly affected almost the DNA of who I am. If there were just a way I could erase that. Folks, I want to tell you this morning, there is a way. It's called the grace and forgiveness and mercy of Jesus Christ. Now, can you erase the consequences, the devastating effect it may have had on someone else? No, unfortunately, that's because we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken, ugly, fallen world that is full of sin, and it's in our nature to do things that hurt people. But we do serve a God 
And this is what I'm thankful for this morning that calls us to come to the table. And not just the kid table. Where you're out of sight, out of mind. Not just to the kid table where nothing matches and this is good enough. I mean, that's really what we're saying when we put the kids downstairs in the basement, whether they're two years old or 13 or 32, you know, we put them down there and we say, this is good enough. Just throw some paper plates out and, you know, they can have whatever we kind of send down there to. Listen, we serve of God who sees the despicableness that's in your heart and he says, come to the table, the adult table. I've got something amazing set up for you. Come with a repentive heart. Become just as you are. I'm thankful that we serve a God who can forgive us. All of that on one little piece of paper. <laughs> yeah? I did. I talked to my buddy and I said, what's the worst, most despicable? What's the thing that you've just done that is just, what's the worst thing you've ever done? And we begin to talk about it. And as we begin to unpack it, I said, you know what, buddy? I am so thankful that we serve of God that can forgive you of what you just shared with me. And that we serve a God that can forgive me of what I just shared with you. Yeah? He's like, yeah, dude, that is good stuff, man. I said, listen, I'm 49. I thank God I'm not who I was when I was 29 or 39. I praise God that we serve a God that calls us away from the kid table in growth and maturity to the adult table that when I'm 59... When I'm like Doris in 80, I won't be what I was even now today at 49, yeah? Because we all grow. We all should be maturing in our faith. If you look around at yourself spiritually and you see yourself sitting at the kid table and you're liking it, you're enjoying it. I know Zach at the beginning of the service joked and said, I think the kid table is the funnest. It is. But at some point in life, you've got to look around and say, this ain't fun anymore. I don't like this anymore. My life is not going in the direction it ought to be going. Why am I not growing in my faith? Why are things not connecting like they should be? Could it be because I'm sitting at a table I no longer need to be at or should be at? Is it because I'm ignoring the call of God on my life to go in a different direction, in a different place? I believe it's true. The most despicable thing you've ever done is forgivable. Tweet that later. You can even steal it and say you said it. The most despicable thing is forgivable. He's patient with us. I'm thankful that we serve a God who gives us the opportunity and the capacity to grow in our faith. I'm looking at a room full of people, no matter where you're at in your faith, you are not so ignorant that you ought to stay there forever. I don't care if you're 80, 90, 100, 18, or 8 years old. You serve a God who has given you the ability and the opportunity to grow in your faith beyond where you're at here. Will every single person in this room be a deep theologian with a doctorate's degree and understand everything that has ever been known about the Word of God? No. But is that what he's called you to? No, he's called you to knowledge of him. The saving grace knowledge of him. And what is the knowledge? And we'll talk about it here in a little bit. The knowledge that I'm talking about is not head knowledge. It's intimacy with Jesus Christ. 
I believe he's calling every single person in this room, no matter what your age, to a deeper, more intimate relationship with him. He's calling you away from the kid table and to the adult table. And even if there were nothing on that table, the only thing that needs to be there is Jesus, period. He is all you need. I praise God. I'm so thankful that I serve of God. What am I thankful for? I'm so thankful for my wife, my children, all those things, yeah? But let me tell you something. Those are blessings in my life of which I'm so thankful for. But the thing that I am most grateful for is his forgiveness, grace, mercy. The fact that he gives me the opportunity, the privilege the capacity to learn and grow. And I'm thankful that he's patient with me as I do that. Some people aren't quite as patient with me. You can ask my wife. I still don't know how to load our dishwasher properly. And she has lost patience with me to the point where she won't even let me do it anymore. Ha ha, joke's on her. That's exactly what I wanted to begin with. All right? <laughs> Yeah, I would say she'll listen to podcasts, but she don't listen to my messages. She's like, I've heard it all before. Why don't you just practice what you preach? Listen, I'm thankful that we serve a God who gives us the opportunity. Question is, will you seize that opportunity? Will you take that opportunity? Will you, will you accept his invitation to come to the table? Or will you say, no. I'm not good at, and start making excuses. I'm not old enough yet. I'm not this. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not smart enough. You don't want me. You don't know what I've really done, God. God is saying, no, come just as you are to the table. You don't have to be stuck anymore. You see, it's in spite of all the despicable ugliness, all those things that we've done, that he invites us to come to the table. I, I want to share with you, this isn't in the media thing, so fellas, forgive me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, just listen to this, just lean in. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says this. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has gone before us through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we, we profess. For we do not serve a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet has been and is without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that may, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. May we approach the throne of his grace and mercy with confidence. May we come to this table with confidence and boldness, knowing I don't deserve to be here. Everyone at the table is older than me, wiser than me, smarter than me, prettier than me, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Whatever reason you've been holding off coming to the table, erase it. Let it go. Because God has called you. When he's called you, that's the only qualification you need. Why are you here? Because God called me here, period. What, why, why, why did you show up? I showed up because he called me here. Why did Peter get out of that boat that day? Why did Peter step out of the boat and begin to walk on the waves when he had no human ability to do so? He had no right, no qualification. He'd never done it before, right? 
It was stupid. The people in the boat were probably saying, you're crazy, don't do it. Why did he do it? Because Jesus said, come on. That was the only qualification he needed. I thank God that we serve a God that calls us to come to the cable just as we are. But here's the thing. He doesn't want us to say just as we are. Being at the adult table means that you have responsibility now. Might mean that you have to help clean up the mess that someone else over here made. When something spills, it might mean you have to rush and and help clean up and say, let me help out a little bit. Being at this table has responsibilities. You have to participate. You, You don't do it all. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, but you work with the Holy Spirit. You participate with him. Does he need you? No. Does he want you? Yes. He invites us to the table, but he also invites us to grow, not wanting us to stay and eat at the kid table because he recognizes the milk may be good, the sippy cup may keep you safe, but it's not where life exists, more full or more abundant. You've got your Bibles, open them up to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. I was so excited about these verses, I asked Aaron, buddy, could you please put Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 15 on the screen for me? And then I realized there is no verse 15. That's how excited I was. I was like, there should be another verse there. I texted him early this morning. I said, I'm sure by now you realize there's no verse 15. He didn't text me back. He knows this guy. My staff knows me well. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14 says this. I'm going to start with two words that aren't going to make a whole lot of sense now. We're going to work our way back, I promise. You'll understand a little bit. In fact, comma, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk... Being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by, listen to this, constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. That verse 12, it says, in fact, those first two words. In fact, in fact what? Well, it's not going to be on the screen, but look back in your Bibles or just lean in and listen to this. In fact, what? Verse 11 tells us, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. So, in fact, in fact, what? Verse 11 says, in fact, we have a lot to tell you but about this, but you're slow to learn. About this. About what? You get you got to keep unpacking it, and it's like a piece of luggage you bring in, and you sit down, you open up, you pull out this piece, and you pull another piece, and before you know it, you get to the piece you're looking for. About this, about what? Well, chapter 4, I already read a part of it. We serve a high priest who has gone before us, and he's been found sinless. He did what we can't and we'll never be able to do without his help. You need to understand, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. And it's a, that sometimes is hard for us to understand or wrap our minds around when we're sitting at the kid table whining and complaining about our lives falling apart. You know, it doesn't have to be this way. 
God's calling you to a more mature, deeper faith at the adult table. Maybe it doesn't need to be this way because you don't have to do it all alone. There's a lot of people probably sitting in this room. They're trying to do it alone by yourself. You don't need to do it alone. You don't need to go alone, even though maybe you are literally alone. You're a single mom. You're a single dad. You're just a single person, not married at all. Maybe you're a widower. I don't know what your story is. Maybe you are quite literally alone. Maybe you've got tons of people in your life, but in your heart you feel all alone. You don't have to go it alone. We have a high priest, Jesus, that we can go to. No longer do we need to go to someone else. We can go to him. The the veil has been torn from top to bottom. We can enter into the Holy of Holies because of what he did on the cross that day. The ground shook. The earthquakes happened. Dead people were raised to life. You see, that's hard to understand when you're sitting at the kid table. It's hard to wrap your mind around that. Especially when you ought to know better. Let's, let's look at this. Verse 12 says this. Verse 12, chapter 5. In fact, though by this time... By this time, what is he talking about? Well, I'm a new believer. I've been walking with Jesus for two weeks. Well, you ought to know by now. No. When he says by this time, he's talking about those people that have walked with Jesus for quite a while. You've been sitting at the adult table for a long, long time, but you're not getting it. You're still so infantile in your in your, your spiritual walk, it's, it's mind-boggling here to Paul. He's like, listen, though by this time you ought to know, but you still need someone to teach you and hold your hand and put a little bib on you and make sure your sippy cup is closed nice and tight and, and spoon-feed you the gospel and spoon-feed you on Sunday morning at 1045. I'm not here to spoon-feed you. Though by now you ought to know, instead, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. And listen, understand here, this is not condemnation. If If you're reading this and thinking Paul is condemning them, that's not what he's doing. He's convicting them. The Holy Spirit does not come to condemn, he comes to convict. Judgment's coming, though. Don't don't make no mistake about it. We serve a God who is holy, and because he is holy, he is just. And because he is just, justice is coming. He's talking about believers who have walked with Jesus for a long while. Listen, if the shoe fits, wear it. But wear it with boldness and confidence, saying, you know what? I have not, I've been wearing these shoes, but man, they're all loosey and and flip-floppy. I need to lace these shoes up and tie them up tighter, and I need to... Stand firm on a foundation of Jesus. I need to be about my father's business. I need to start getting serious about my walk. With I've been walking with Jesus for 27 years. And I have been walking like, I've been, like I just found him yesterday. Some of you are pushing 30 and still sitting at the kid table. Those younger in their faith ought to be profiting from your instruction. You hear that? Those younger in their faith ought to be profiting from your instruction, mature Christians. You look around, mature Christians, and you see a lot of immaturity around you. You own that. You see, there's responsibility when you sit at the adult table. 
When you sit at the mature table, you, 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 you don't have the right and privilege just to sit like this and look around. Look at all these youngsters, these millennials, these young people. They don't want to serve. They don't want to do this. They don't want to get involved. They don't want to give. All they want, they don't want to, they don't want to. They, you, you have to own part. You need to push yourself away from the table and engage with the people at the kid table and encourage them and inspire them. The younger in their faith ought to be profiting from your instruction. Paul wants to pull you dramatically forward in your Christian walk for your benefit, but also for the benefit of everyone around you, particularly those younger in their faith. So how do we dramatically move forward? How do we dramatically grow in our faith? Well, first of all, we need to put down the sippy cup, push away from the kid table, and sit at the adult table and begin to eat meat. Throw a nice, big, healthy steak on the grill. I'm having my whole family over for Thanksgiving. We already, I already told my brothers, we're going to provide it all. I've got a turkey coming. It's all good. And he's like, all right, great, man. I'm going to bring a turkey forever. I'll fry up a turkey. And maybe I'll bring my smoker and I'll smoke one too. I said, dude, I just told you, I've got a turkey. We're going to take care of that. He said, yeah, but you can't have enough turkey. <laughs> you got to get meat. He said, I might even go to Keystone Meats and just buy the biggest piece of meat I can find and do something with it. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Cholesterol much? <laughs> but verse 14 tells us this. But solid food is for the mature. I love this. Who by constant use have trained themselves. You see, there's a, there's a responsibility when you're sitting at that table. You've got to be constantly training. Constantly working out. You want to lose a few pounds? Don't go to the Y once a year and think it's going to happen. You've got to constantly do it. You've got to set a routine. You've got to work at it. You've got to put time and effort into it. You've got to strive and press towards the goal which Christ has called you heavenward. Solid food is for the mature. I love that. Who by constant use, not occasional, not once in a while, but by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You know, coffee is a bit of an acquired taste. I still haven't fully, completely embraced that acquiredness of coffee. I'm still sitting at the kid table when it comes to, when you go out to eat with someone and they're like, you know, it's after dinner and they're, hey, would you like, would you like a cup of coffee? I'm like, no, I will take a Diet Mountain Dew, thank you. First thing in the morning, you go to Bob Evans or say, good morning, coffee? And I'm like, no, I'll take a Diet Coke, please. They're like, wow, are you five? Coffee is a very acquired taste. I mean, know that. But I've also been told that once you acquire the taste, it's amazing. It's wonderful. It's all, you become a connoisseur of it. You begin to smell it, look for it, buy it, grind your own. All of a sudden, it becomes this whole world of, of culture, this whole experience that you're like, where's the coffee been my whole life? My mom, for whatever reason, I don't know why I remember this about my mom and dad. They weren't together long. I don't have a lot of memories of my parents actually being together. But I do remember my mom always liking her coffee as black as she could get it, as thick as she could get it. It was like pouring hot molasses out of, out of the thing. I mean, as black. And then my dad would always take two or three creams. And I knew that was always a big difference between my parents. And for some reason, my young mind, I always think, 
aren't people that are married supposed to love everything exactly the same? You know, like, aren't they supposed to love everything identical, you know? And I have found out, having been married 28 years, that could not be further from the truth, all right? (laughs) I have yet to have a pizza with anything except for cheese. Uh, All I get is plain cheese. Coffee's a very acquired taste, but that comes with maturity. Comes with maturity. You look at a child, they, they'll tell you they love coffee. That happens here. They go out and they get coffee. That, that uh, Denny, I, I almost said Pastor Denny, and he is every bit a pastor at this church. I love you, Denny Lee. He sets up the coffee for us. You ever see one of the kids go out there and get coffee? And I say kid, I mean anybody under the age of myself, 49, right? But anybody goes out there, you see a child get a coffee, they put about, about that much coffee, and then they put about 15 creams and about 10 packs of sugar, and they stir them. They're like, yeah, I'm drinking coffee, you know? It's an acquired taste. Second Peter, we're going to close with Second Peter chapter three, verse nine through eleven or nine through eighteen. It's nine verses. I promise we'll go. We're not on island time. We're not on Roger Rora island time. I promise we're going to get you out of here in time. It was a great message last week. Was that amazing? It, I mean, he's not here. You don't have to. You can tell me the truth. Me, like, I love Roger. I, I really believe we we are two peas in the same pod. I. I, I uh, what a great guy, man. An awesome message last week. And it didn't feel like uh, 1240 when we ended. Uh, Gary leaned over to me and he said, was it really almost 1240? I said, it was, but it didn't feel like it. Second um, <laughs> Peter chapter 3, verse 9 through 18 says this. Let's look at that together. Thank God we serve a God, yeah? Who invites us to come to the table, who invites us to grow in spite of our, our weakest most despicable time and moment, the the thing we've done the worst, in spite of that, he invites us to come and to grow. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Thank God, I'm so blessed that we serve a God that he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What am I thankful for this holiday season? I'm thankful that we serve a God who is patient with us. That that he calls us out of the kid table to the adult table. And when we sit there and say, no, I don't want to go. He's patient. He's like, come on. And you're like, no, I'm not doing it. Come on. I don't want to. You are 37 years old and it's time to go. You're creeping the other kids out. All right. Your wife is upstairs waiting for you. All right. Thank God he's patient with us when he calls us. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he has made a way when we're at the kid table living a despicable life. I'm not suggesting everyone sits at the kid table is despicable. I'm just saying when we live, figuratively speaking, a life that is just a wretched mess. Thank God we serve a God who's patient with us. And he's gone before us and he's made a way. We serve a high priest that we can trust in and believe in and have a relationship with, thank God. That's the good news of the gospel. But the good news would not be good news if there weren't bad news. Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. 
You see, there's good news. You can have a relationship with him. He's calling you away from the kid table to the adult table, maturity and faith and grow in him and walk with him, life more full or more abundant because he lives, we can live. Because he died, we can live. Because he rose again, we can live. He's calling us to that. That's the good news. And he's patient with us as, we, as he's calling us. He's patient with us, like watching and teaching a, a little boy or a girl to walk, like teaching a little boy or girl to ride a bicycle. They ride, they fall over, they get... He's patient with us, but make no mistake about it. The day of the Lord, judgment will come like a thief in the night. Yeah, it's coming. Since everything will be destroyed, verse 11 says, in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Whenever there's a question like that, I try to stop and ponder and think about it. I know the answer is going to be coming. In fact, maybe the answer is found somewhere else, but I know the answer is there. He doesn't just pose those questions and then make us figure it out somewhere else by Googling. No, he gives you the answers right here in the Word of God, in these pages. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? What kind of people ought we to be? I think it's found, the answer is found in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Let me just read it for you. Therefore, since we have a high priest, I'm sorry, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use has been trained and have trained themselves and that they might distinguish good from evil. What kind of people will God find when he comes back? I hope he finds you to be mature in your faith. I hope he finds you walking with him, not sitting at the kid table, but sitting at the adult table, growing in your faith, maturing in your faith, being trained and distinguished, able to distinguish good from evil. Verse 12, as you look forward to this day, the day of God, and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of the righteous. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort. You see, when you sit at the adult table, there's a responsibility. We've got to be making every effort. We can't just say, I've left there and I'm over here. Now I've arrived. I'm good. I can sit here and veg out. I've put my time in. I've served as an elder. I've been a trustee. I've done this. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Now I can sit back and let everybody else take care of things. No, you still have a responsibility to make every effort as long as you have breath in your lungs to grow in your faith and to help those behind you to grow in their faith, to spur each other on in Christ Jesus. When the Bible says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... It's not talking about just Noah and Moses and Enoch and all those that have gone before us in biblical times. It's talking about Sandy Rufner and all those that modern day have gone before us. What wonderful people, Ed Woodmark, how amazing this great cloud of witnesses we have. Will you leave behind a great cloud of witness? Are you living in a great cloud right now? You, you see what I'm saying? Does this make sense what I'm saying to you this morning? You see, sitting at the adult table, you need to make every effort. For yourself, that you, might, that, that you might grow, yes. 
but for others that they might grow. That the people sitting on this side of the pew might be influenced by the maturity of the people on this side of the pew and the people in the balcony. And all, you see what I'm saying? We need to be spurring one another on. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Verse 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Praise God. He's patient with us. And that patience means salvation. Just as our dear, dear brother Paul also wrote you with wisdom that, the God, that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters. Speaking in them of these manners. Put my glasses on. How about that? His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. There it is again. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. When it says the other scriptures, don't get confused. Don't think, is there another Bible out there? Talking about the Quran? Is it what's he talking about? No, you see. Paul was so transformed by the power of Jesus Christ in his life that every single letter he wrote was looked at as scripture. He was an amazing man of God, so transformed that people couldn't believe it. Wait a minute, you're Paul. You were the guy that you're Saul. You, you were the guy that was killing Christians, and now you're, now you're supporting him and, and leading people to Christ? We've got something like that going on right now in our culture. What's his name? What? Kanye West. Some of you have no idea I'm talking about. Kanye West. His music was... His lifestyle. Who he's married to. The, you know what I'm saying? But I just read recently and saw on Facebook. and what, Thousands of people are coming to know Jesus. In prison, there's a re- there was a revival that broke out at a prison. All these dudes in yellow jumps or orange jumpsuits coming to know Jesus, not through some great holy preacher, not through Tim Lewis or somebody else that's been walking with the Lord, but through Kanye West, who had a radical transformation by Jesus. Paul had that radical transformation on his road to Damascus. So when it says, as in the other scriptures, they looked at Paul's writings as scripture. Now, again. Maturity in Christ tells you that as we move forward in, the, in, the, in the, the life and times of our walk with Jesus, we recognize that the canon was put together, these 66 books, and there's a reason somewhere in, somewhere out, and you can grow in your faith and learn those things. But here we hear them say, as they do in the other scriptures. Verse 17, therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on guard so that you may not be carried away by the errors and lawlessness of men who fall from their secure positions. Listen to this. And this is what I'm so thankful for. But grow in the grace and knowledge. That word knowledge there, think intimacy. It's not just head knowledge. Don't rush out and try to get it. Yes, rush out and get a degree. Work hard. Get those certificates. Grow. Education's important. But don't think that's that's what it means to be at the kid table. i got to have a certificate and a degree. No, knowledge means intimacy here. To grow in grace and intimacy or knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And why? To Him be the glory, both now and forever. 
both now and forever. I wrote in my notes down here, go back to the little white pages. The little white pages. Y'all remember the yellow pages and white pages? I'm going to ask Phil McMurray, buddy, come on up. Play something pretty on the piano, will you? <laughs> I don't even know what you're going to play. Just play something pretty. Play something from Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> His album is called Jesus is King. Yeah? Somebody, oh, I don't know. He's got to be faking it. It's a gimmick. Jesus is King is a pretty good message to get out to the world. If I put out an album called Jesus is King, I don't think any of you in this room would hear it. <laughs> Kanye West doesn't. Everybody's hearing it. Listen, I wrote in here, go back to the little white pages. What's the worst thing that you've ever done? What's the worst thing that you've ever done? And if you could erase that one thing and its effects on you and all of those around you, what would it be? Folks, we serve a God who can step into your life and take that sin away from you. So right now where you're at, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this morning I want to challenge you with this. What is it that you need to go to God to right now and say, God, I'm sorry that I've been sitting at the kid table for way too long because of this thing that's got a hold of me. And I need to let it go and walk away from it and walk towards the kid, the, the adult table that you're calling me to. I need to step away, push away from the table and step up to the adult table because you're calling me to come to the table. What is that in your life? So, Father God, right now, as we close in a word of prayer, Lord, I pray that every single person in this room, even those that are perhaps listening by podcast later in the week or later whenever, when they hear this, they would recognize that you are calling them to the table in spite of what they've got in their lives. In fact, it's because of that thing you're calling them to the table. Father God, we love you, we worship you, we adore you. We are so thankful this holiday season, this Thanksgiving season, as we move into the holiday Christmas season, Lord. We're so thankful, we have a heart full of gratitude that we serve our high, mighty priest, King Jesus who has gone before us, who was tempted in every way and yet remained sinless for us, died for us. We're so grateful and thankful that you're patient with us, that we might grow in our faith and have a relationship with you, that we might grow in grace and knowledge and intimacy with you, Father God. May it be true for those in this room right now. Lord, hear the hearts of the people that are in this room right now, Lord. As they call out to you right where they're at, in their pews, sitting here right now, they're calling out to you and saying, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. May they receive the invitation you're giving them to come to the table, the table of new life, 
the table of forgiveness, the table of mercy and grace. And when they receive that free gift of mercy and grace, may they grow in their faith and make every effort to follow you all the days of their life. And as they follow you, Father God, may those looking on follow you as well. Father God, you are wonderful. Be with us the rest of this day, Father God. We love you, we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, thank you for coming this morning, sincerely. Listen, if you made any sort of decision, if you had any sort of conversation with God, I encourage you, talk to someone about that. If God stirred in your heart anything today, whether it was a first-time salvation or recommitment your life to Christ, or if there's something you believe God is calling you to and you need to be held accountable in that area, talk to someone. Talk to me, email me, call me, talk to someone in this church that we might connect together and spur each other on for the glory of God, yeah? We love you guys. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Sunday. Blessings.